Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Trochet, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Candid Catholic Convos. In the world of radio, it's rare you ever see the face behind the voice. And unless you follow our social media pages, which you should, you'd never know very much about me or what I look like if I didn't tell you. Hi, I'm Rachel, a white woman with Italian, Irish, and Norwegian roots. My hair is brown. I'm average height. And lately I've been wearing my glasses a lot more, like I probably should be. I met my husband in college in Philadelphia. He's a Puerto Rican man with dark hair and a rich complexion. Our three boys are beautiful. They're what a casting director would call racially ambiguous because they can pass for both Hispanic and Caucasian, as well as several other nationalities. I had never been exposed to Puerto Rican culture or style or music or anything before meeting my husband. And for the last decade that we've been married, I've been absolutely immersed in it. It's vibrant, romantic, and flavorful, just like my heritage that I've embraced my entire life. And I can't wait to shower my kids in theirs and show them all the things that make them uniquely them. And that's the beauty of how God created us. We're each different, fearfully and wonderfully made with a purpose that's specific to us. But sometimes it's difficult to recognize and appreciate our differences for what they are. Again, I'd never been exposed to a culture other than my own for decades, and I had no idea what I was missing. The reality is, we're all a lot more alike than you'd think. Today, I'm joined by Deacon Armando Torres, our Director for Cultural Identity and Outreach, to talk about all the different apostolates, as well as our new outreach programs to serve all the people of our diverse and vibrant diocese. Deacon Armando, thank you so much for joining me on Candid Catholic Convos. I'm really excited to have you here for the first time today. This is our first time getting to sit down and, and really kind of dive into some deep topics. So thank you for taking the time to spend with me today. No, you're welcome. I'm happy to be here <laughs> deep down inside. Um, but no, I, I appreciate the time. Hopefully get to share some of my thoughts and experiences and and we'll go from there. Awesome. So for those who may not know you, because I know you're fairly new to the diocese, about a year or two years now? Yes, I came to the diocese in January 3rd, 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'm new to the office here, the Director of Culture, Identity and Outreach. But I feel like I've been here like forever because I was with San Juan Bautista, one of the parishes here in the diocese, um, since involved since about 2012. So I was always had a hand in communication with the diocese. Mm-hmm. So even though I've been here a year, it's been quite a few years that I've been involved with, you know, with uh, different ministries, different activities, different events that have happened, you know, as a whole. Oh, that's awesome. So some of our listeners might recognize you from your other 
roles like at San Juan Batista and all the other parish involvement that you may have had. Can you can you expand on that a little bit? Tell me a little bit more about about you. Okay, so Deacon Armando Torres and um, married thirty seven years going on thirty seven years this um, July. Uh, three children. Um, unfortunately, one lives out on the West Coast, so we missed him a lot. Uh, six grandkids with another one on the way here in, in about four weeks. Three children, six grandkids. Um, Living in Lancaster, living in Lancaster all my life. I was born in New York, but raised in Lancaster, and um, was in the you know served in the military for for four years in the Air Force, and li- just lived in Lancaster. Came back to live in Lancaster my whole life. My wife calls it the five year plan. When I when we <laughs> when when my term was up, my enlistment was up, she wanted to move to San Diego, so I can't blame her. That's where her hometown is. And I said, well, we, let's move to Lancaster. I said, you know, we'll we'll start off there. She goes, well, maybe for five years. Well. It's been 30, you know, 30, <laughs> 30, you know, five years or so now. But um, it's it's gone great. You know, we just got involved with the church. We feel we've been at the right place. Um, my wife feels we, we've been at the right place. So together we do plenty, you know, at our, at our parish. And our kids went through Catholic schools. Um, our grandkids are in Catholic schools. So, you know, it's just important for us. And the community, Lancaster is like big enough but small yeah. as well. So it's going very well. I love that. Talk to me a little bit more about your role within the diocese and, and how you kind of came to this type of ministry. You mentioned you were you have military experience. When did you become a deacon? When how did all that kind of pan out for you? Yeah, so you know that's that's like the what they call people call it the million dollar question because if you ask my wife, my wife goes, I don't know what happened to him. You know, but <laughs> <laughs> but church has always been important for us in our family. Um, granted, you know, it's a progress and, and formation and, and, and it evolves. Even as a deacon, I was ordained in 2020, but you have to understand it's always, it, it always evolves. Mm-hmm. It never, it's never stagnant. So looking back, you know, as a dad, you know, and um, growing in my faith and more committed to my faith, um, being present at mass, you know, making sure it's important for my kids to see that, that I was going. And it wasn't even thinking, I was never really thought, well, let me go so my kids see that it's important. It's just that as I grew into faith, the kids automatically sees it. So then you see the role of the dad, the role of the family. It was important for them to see that, that I was the initiator of, of getting ready for mass, the initiator of being involved with the religious education. So it just, it just, it just grew, you know, formation. I call it one of the things I got involved with our religious education, which was very, um, I think that was about 2003, about 2003, I got involved with the RCIA program at San Juan Bautista. And that was like a springboard. I think it was like my faith was growing and then there was a springboard. Mm-hmm. And then actually I was coming here to the Diocese Center for classes that Ryan Bolster from education used to have, whole, you know, the Diocese Institute. Um, we used to have that uh, here present here at the at the center and just to hear other stories and he, hear other people and their conversion whether conversion from another faith or 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 their just their their joy when they were talking about the faith and i'm sitting there thinking well i was born you know i was cradle catholic what we call it, right cradle catholic and i'm like i'm missing something because where where's that you know where's my little giddy up mm. you know and uh so I, anyway i just kept with these classes and learning more about the faith. And then I, I, I call my conversion from a cradle Catholic or just, you know, um, 
basic, you know, going to mass and going home, going to mass, going that to more active. So my conversion from, you know, basic Catholic to active Catholic. Catholic 2.0. Catholic 2.0. <laughs> I guess that's what it is. So that's my, um, yeah. So, so within that, within that growth and, um, in formation, because it's all formation and, and taking these classes and being involved with the parish and being involved with the religious ed and with the RCIA and that whole process. And it's just, and work, because I was working at, at, uh, at Wild Bill's Foods. I was actually working in a meat company in production, you know, as a production manager and supervisor. But the people part is always the appealing part to me. It, it always was, even whether I was in, in the military, where I was, whether I was at, uh, as a supervisor, uh, as a production manager. The people parts withdraw is always what draws you in, and um, people kind of open up to you. You know, when you're a production manager, at a company, people want more than to know what they're supposed to do. They want you to listen to them mm. in a variety of topics. It kind of surprises you, but the people do uh, want that relationship. So I call my midlife crisis. As talking to my pastor back at San Bautista. The opening for religious set, director of religious set opened up. And, you know, we had a conversation. My pastor and I had a conversation. And, you know, I received the role as director of religious set. This was in about 2012, probably 2011, 2012. And it just kept growing. It was just like, that's where I needed to be. You know, got deep into it. My wife was a big part of that because, you know, without a team, we really couldn't do it. And, um, but we, we managed it and it just kept growing in 2015. Um, well, as a matter of fact, being director of religious ed at San Juan Bautista and then was the director of religious ed at St. Joseph's as well. So then I was director of religious ed for two parishes, very two parishes, one Hispanic, one with a German culture, deep, um, and both very supportive of, you know, of helping me in, in the ministry and serving the, the parishioners and serving the families and the students. 2015 to 2020, you know, the diaconate formation, you know, and it, it's just, a, it just a, it's evolves. You just, it's about keeping your heart open and then see where it takes you. Absolutely. I'm, I am also a cradle Catholic, but I, I had what I would call, I guess you would call it like a reversion because I kind yeah. of like walked away for several years and then, kind of slowly made my way back but like it's easy to say i trust in what god's plan is but like when you can't see the plan you're like all right so what's going on and it, like it's so funny that when you kind of fig when you step into when you allow yourself to be open to whatever possibilities could happen like all of a sudden you st like you look back in retrospect and you're like oh i see what he was doing there right like he absolutely had a plan for you and i and i love that you've gotten he's given that gift of being able to talk to people you've been able to use that in literally every aspect of your life so far and now you're using it for cultural outreach and identity which is which is really awesome and and i'm i'm excited to talk to you about this and have you as part of this team. But I'm assuming that it comes with like a lot of challenges, but also a lot of rewards because it's not just one culture or identity that we're working with. Our, our Catholic community here in the Diocese of Harrisburg is very vibrant, but it's also very diverse. Can you talk to me a little bit about any challenges that you've seen, but then also the rewards that come with it? I can't really say I feel a challenge. Mm -hmm. Because I think we all have the part of challenges, communication. 
So communication, I think that's just in general, not specific to one avenue or another. Right. I mean, I don't know if I'm making myself clear, but the communication aspect of the challenges is our Hispanic, if we start with the Hispanic culture, there are many things that our Hispanic culture has done in, in the ministry here at the diocese. I think the challenge is bringing the awareness to what they are. Mm. Or bringing the awareness, do hey, do we know that this is happening? Um, do we know that there are different celebrations within a culture? Um, but, the, but, but also the challenge of letting everyone know in the diocese that it's been a process for everyone. If you go back as far as immigration and our population growth and the challenges of, you know, the initial, you know, wave of immigrants, whether the Irish, the German, the Italians, you know, the the Eastern, you know, Europeans, the Croatians. It's it's the challenge. So we look at the challenges. Is is I don't know. I, I don't even want to use the word being accepted. It's just the awareness. Hey, do we know we're here? Mm. Do you know that you know we have a little different needs? Um, I, I'd see that as as the challenge, if if we want to use it as a challenge. No, I think I think that's fair to say because it's it's I hate the misconception that like the Catholic Church is just a bunch of old white men, right? When in fact there's you know Vietnamese, there's Hispanic, there's Croatian and Irish and Italian, and they all have these beautiful, vibrant ways of celebrating the mass in their own, or not even just the mass, but the faith in their own way that, that makes it special and unique. Like there's certain celebrations in Hispanic culture that I didn't know about. After college, I lived in Norristown, which is um, Philadelphia diocese. And uh, it's a very uh, heavily Hispanic neighborhood. And I had no idea that the celebration of Our Lady of Guadalupe was such a big deal like there was a parade outside my house with people decorating their cars and it was so beautiful and amazing but i had no idea what's going on and i'm like i should know this i'm catholic you know and it turns out that that's what it was or when we got married there was a quinceanera right before mm -hmm. our our wedding and i was like how did i not know that these existed when in fact it's been going on for for forever and i think it's beautiful and that I think that's fair to say that I think it's just getting the word out there that that we all have this unique and beautiful way of of celebrating the faith. Yeah, the if you want to use going with the word challenge, you know, we speak about behind the Guadalupe, and then the other thing is grouping one Hispanic, quote unquote, as one culture. Yes. When even within the Hispanic culture, there's a. a huge variety of cultures because you have your Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, Cubans, Salvadorians, Guatemalans, Mexicans, Colombians, Peruvians, Chileans. I mean, there's so many. So the challenge, sometimes we look at a challenge is as the church, maybe the, the hierarchy of the church, especially here in the United States, understanding the Hispanic culture, but even within the Hispanic culture, there's challenges because, you know, Puerto Ricans might understand the Chilean you know, Catholic celebrations and, you know, this country doesn't understand the other country's celebrations or doesn't take it as serious or doesn't think so. Or even just the nuances in the language, like the language, the language, the music, things. some yeah. of the music is different. But um, 
you talk about the celebrations of Virgen Guadalupe, and then, you know, Puerto Rico's the Virgen de Providencia in November, you know, which is highly celebrated. Now, you might see that more like in New York City and Philly and New Jersey and some of the parishes here in the Diocese of Harrisburg celebrate it. It's just not known. Right. Because the one we know is Our Lady of Guadalupe. But, you know, even this past weekend, it was awesome. We were at, um, and I know it wasn't just at St. Mary's of York, because I know San Juan Bautista had a huge celebration with Virgen de Altagracia, with the Dominicans, you know, patron mother, you know, mother of Virgen de Altagracia. And I'm sure other parishes probably had huge celebrations as well. We had a huge celebration at St. Mary's of York. And, and the joy in the people's faces that Bishop Sr. was present, that we were present, that a, a big deal was made out of it. And it wasn't so much, it, and, and, and the thing with that is, it's not that a big deal was made out of it. It was that awareness was made aware. It was made out of it. Right. Hey, do we know that this is going on at St. Mary's of York this weekend? Oh, let me see. Let's go and see what this is about. So the awareness is the challenge. And, and 15 counties, you know, 88 parishes, you know, it is a challenge to bring the awareness to all that's going on, not just in Hispanic culture, but the, you know, I'll talk about St. Joseph's, you know, St. Joseph's in Lancaster, you know, they have their German fest, they have their German culture, and they, they celebrate, you know, different masses as well, you know, um, it's just bringing awareness to that. Absolutely. So I want to address the elephant in the room, which is racism because especially when it comes to our brothers and sisters who may look different than us um or even those of different nationalities you know my husband is hispanic and he's he's told me that he feels like unless he's wearing his military attire that he feels out of place in central pa especially where we live because there aren't very many who look or sound like him and i was taught that racism goes against everything I know as a Catholic, that all human beings are made in God's image and likeness. But not everyone might be aware of that, or it also doesn't necessarily alleviate my husband or my neighbor's uncomfortable feelings of alienation or discrimination. So my question is twofold. Is this something that you've encountered in your ministry of addressing that outsider feeling? And how can those of us who haven't experienced that feeling of alienation Walk with those who do. So being Puerto Rican, I've had my challenges as well, even in the faith, especially growing up in the schools, uh, even the Catholic schools can be challenging. I mean, I've learned of being prejudiced, you know, in, in, in the schools, which totally surprised me. You don't get it in elementary school, you know, but then I, I did experience it uh, later on. At that point, I wasn't thinking, well, this is a Catholic school. I shouldn't feel that. I, w- I, w- I didn't think that at all because... Even in my elementary school, you know, if you want to talk about bullying, you know, I was bullying uh, by different races, you know, and, and that was just the case, you know, from. Um, so I've, I've experienced this, I've experienced that. But racism to me is it's a really harsh word. It's like a hate word. I think we tend to favor our own, not in a negative way towards others. As much as we just, you know, aim for that community, aim like, for the community, yeah. even the community. So Anglo's aim for the Anglo community, you know, um, the Italians, you know, Germans, Irish, you know, you tend you, you go to that community. 
um, Hispanics are going to tend to go to that community. African Americans are going to tend to their community. So um, not anything against the other race, just a pool to their own. Okay. You know, racist, racist being, uh, you know, that's a hate word to me. That's, that's, that's a hate word. That's just a tough word to use. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're entering into Black Catholic Month here, you know, Black History Month here in February. And recently, you know, I was hearing stories about Augustus Tolton. And Augustus Tolton, you know, Venerable Augustus Tolton, hopefully be into sainthood. Pope Francis assigned him as Venerable, I think in 2019. You know, he was born into slavery, you know, was freed as a slave, wanted to go to seminary for the priesthood. No seminaries would take him in the United States. You know, that's racism. You know, that's that's tough. Um, he went to to um, Rome, you know, to the seminary in Rome, became a priest, was ordained a priest in Rome at the age of 31. And he was hoping to go to Africa, you know, as a missionary and all that. Well, he was sent to New York City, was there for like a year. And where did he get sent back to? Well, he got back, sent back to the hometown where he was a slave at. Mm. Not accepted very well. Yes, you can minister, Father Tolton, if he if he was even, you know, Father Tolton, to the black community. First African American president. Yes, you can minister to the black community. You know, goes to Illinois. Yeah, you just can minister to the black community. Now he was a great preacher and, and people would go to him, both of all races, Anglos, you know, African Americans. That that that's the tough thing. If you're limited to who you can minister to, you know, that's that's racist, you know. I've had the, the, the privilege as Hispanic to be a director of religious said at a Hispanic parish and German parish and went well, very supportive, you know, and, and that's I think I think the limitations of of who people can preach to. You know, it's kind of sad. You know, if it happens out there, you know, it, it may, or that would be the 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 may happen still. Uh, or or population is growing. You know, both the Hispanic population is growing. The uh, African immigrant, you know, the Swahili part of the language, you know, that part's growing. So the challenging part is who can people minister to, and when we limit on who can minister to who then everyone's losing out. And and that includes, uh, like right now, come February 11th, we're celebrating the Black Catholic Apostolate Mass at St. Joseph's of York, um, Kingston Road. Uh, Father Saad's the pastor there. And um, it's a beautiful event. We were there last year, and people got to see, the parishioners got to see, you know, a different type of celebration. And they loved it. If, 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 would they have gone on their own? I don't know. You know, if, if we said, hey, we're going to have that mass for the Black Catholic Apostolate on a Sunday evening or Saturday morning, you know, off time of regular parish, will people be exposed to it? And I think that the challenge for people to understand the different cultures, the different celebrations, and the challenges of ministering is just that exposure to even see what it is. You know, and I think as long as we... If we keep if we limit ourselves, then we're missing out. Because then you just have misconceptions. I was blessed 
I go back to being director of religious ed at St. Joseph's in San Juan. I was blessed. I would go to St. Joseph's and hear the beautiful choir. European, Gregorian, the chanting. Beautiful. I love that. And then an hour later, I'm a someone Bautista, and now we have the guitars and the bongos and the weedles, and we have all the, you know, the cowbell. If you want to put the cowbell there. <laughs> you know, we all have all that. And you get to celebrate it all. It's not limited. Our Catholic culture is a, you know, we always say it. We always say it. One, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. And I just think we just need to live that part of the, the one and the holy and the apost apostolic is like, you know, you know, from the roots of the apostles, one church, all cultures, you know, all cultures. I love going to the Black Catholic Apostolate Mass and living that culture. I love going to, you know, the Gregorian chant. I love that. We were just, just like I mentioned previously, we were this Sunday at Virgen Altagracia for the Dominican, um, uh, um, St. Mary's for the Virgen Altagracia celebrate, you know, mass celebration. And I love the music. You know, it's just, it's a different vibe. You know, not one community supersedes any other community. And I think people just need to experience it all. Not that I'm going to do it every week, you know, or not that you're committing to, you know, that, well, I'm going to change my ways. I'm just going to go to Hispanic mass and I'm not going to any other mass. Not that, just a, well, let me see what it's about. Let me see. It's going to be uncomfortable. It may be, but you're going to see the prayers. The collect is the same. The glory is the same. The holy is the same. And most importantly, the Eucharist is one. So I just think it's just, yeah. The challenge is to get people just to, hey, just, just go and, and just, just experience it, you know, because you're not going to miss out. Why? Because it all comes down, back down to the body of Christ. You're not going to, you're not going to miss out. I love that, and that's, that's actually like a good call, especially for those who like, maybe, I hate to say bored with whatever mass they're going to. But like, if you want something different, then like there's, there are other options like the black Catholic apostolate mass or, you know, Hispanic churches or German churches, or, you know, they're, you're, you're not limited to like the same church over and over again, if you're not finding fulfillment there. So I think that, I think that that's awesome. The initiative of church as far, as far as the culture, mm -hmm. you know, not reach, but if we talk, sticking with the culture, I kind of mentioned before, you know, we're, we're a country of, um, of immigrants, and, and the church always is here to serve who? Well, the people. So as the people come, the church adapts. We've unfortunately run out of time, but if you'd like to hear the rest of this episode, you can listen to us anytime on Spotify under Candid Catholic Convos, or you can download this episode from our website at hbgdiocese.org. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org slash D-A-C and clicking the make a donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.